Our next retreat is finally here. It's called Adventures in Energetics, and it's happening November 8th to the 14th, 2024 in Boquete, Panama. This seven-day, six-night retreat in the beautiful cloud forest of Panama is going to be a unique experience. This program is a not-for-beginners retreat. And what I mean by that is you will actually have to fill out an application before you will be accepted to be able to register for the program because we are going to be doing more advanced level energetics and I need to make sure that everybody who comes is actually ready for the work. We will be doing a Kundalini awakening. We will be doing group visioning process called a spiritual canoe. We will be doing daily presence practices and working on expanding our energy. We will be doing daily rituals. This process will be related to specifically the people who are there because in addition to filling out the questionnaire about what your experience is, you're also gonna ask for what it is that you'd like to learn. So part of the curriculum for this is set and part of it will be designed around the desires of the participants. I only have 20 beds available for this retreat, so it will fill up quickly. So this is the time to register. Do not wait. To find out more, go to kellysparta.com forward slash retreat. I look forward to seeing you there. Another blood red sunset and yet another moon face and still another hundred miles to my next resting place. Driving down the road, eyes on the horizon, within my car I'm all Feeling good and feeling strong Knowing that this path I'm on brings me to myself I'm driving Hey now all, I'm Joey C. Welcome back to another episode of Spirit Chirpa. This is the show that helps and encourages you on your journey to unlock your magic mojo. With me as always is the spirit doctor, Kelly Sparta. Hey Kelly. Hey Joey. How's it going? I'm going good. Good. You know, yeah. I got to listen to Colum Holland do his uh his launch this morning of his book, which was very cool. Excellent. So we Good. love the Alchemist yes. and the, the, the secret the of the secret Alchemist. Secret of the Alchemist, is, yes. His book. So So we're back here to uh do some spirit chirpa talking. Yeah, baby. And we're gonna be talking about a metaphor or all kinds of stuff, but that's gonna be part of it. <laughs> what what are we talking about? So today we're going to talk about the victim and the misery box okay, and uh, what that means yeah. and what happens when you're living in them. And you've got some help to talk about this. I do. Yes. I have one of my students who just graduated from his first year who's, uh, who was the inspiration for me to start talking about the misery box. Okay. Um, you know, we, we, uh, we were talking and I was like, yeah, let me, let me, let me put it this way for you. Um, so I've asked him to come and talk about that because um, it, it was it was fundamental for his process to get through the victim stuff and the misery box. And so I want to have him talk about what that process was like for him mm-hmm. and how it played out and how he feels on the other side. Okay. So Stas. Hey Stas. Hi. So this is Stas, and, and uh, for those of you who have been listening for a long time and you heard the listener profile with Alexandra, Alexandra is Stas's wife. And so everything you heard her say about her husband is this is the person she was talking about. That's me. <laughs> so now you guys have met both sides of the equation. So, Welcome, Stas. Thank you. 
Glad to be here. It's an honor. When we were talking, Stas, there was a process of of looking at things, and there was this way that that you kept sort of running back into the same place. You would hit this point of enlightenment, and and you know things would be all copacetic, and and then suddenly misery was back again. You were back in that place of misery, back in that place of victim, um, really uh, stuck in that that place of no matter what you do, it, it just doesn't get better. And, Correct. and it was amplified each time by the fact that you had gotten out and then you went back again. And so it was like you were punishing yourself for losing what you had acquired. Right. Right. Can you talk a little bit about how that process was for you and what, what was happening for you? Absolutely. So something was happening and I just couldn't put a finger on it. Uh, I was making some progress, and uh, all of a sudden, I would almost lose it all. I knew that I wasn't losing it all. There was some something gained, but uh, the amount of stuff gained was nothing compared to how much had been lost every time I would fall back. And uh, we were talking with Kelly, and on one of the uh, one-on-one calls, uh, she mentioned this metaphor, the misery box, and uh, immediately. I had a, an image in my head of a small room, like a box, where I was stuck. It's a dark, dark place. And uh, a lot of things started falling into place. So first, um, while talking to Kelly, uh, I realized, and she guided me to it, that this was a coping mechanism for me, which started when I was 17. Uh, I went through a serious trauma, and uh, basically this box, this misery box, this dark room was something that kept me in one piece so that I don't shed and fall apart completely. So it was holding me in place. And that's basically what kept me alive. That's the way I saw it. What was happening as I was making progress, that box, because I wasn't aware of it, was pulling me back saying, you know, I need to keep you safe. And before Uh, Kelly shed some light on it and said, this is what's happening. And before I saw that misery box, you know, it was on automatic. I had no awareness that that was happening to me. As soon as we had this conversation with Kelly and I re-listened to that talk, immediately things started to shift like a puzzle to shift into place. I saw that, that misery box, that small little room. It's dark. It's heavy. It's very sad to be in that place. But uh, as soon as my awareness grew about that place, I was able to step out of it. And that was when things started to shift for me dramatically. Um, Once you get aware of something, you're able to change it. The way Kelly puts the MSC program, she mentioned this several times in the program, uh, the term thought alchemy. Um, When you actually transform things, that actually comes back to the conversation about the uh, Paulo Coelho books, Alchemist, right? You can change a perspective on things and things start to shift uh, in the real world. So this misery box experience was exactly that. As soon as I got aware that this thing existed and as soon as I was able to step out of it, I said, okay, I can be aware that I'm in that place when it pulls me back in or I can stay outside of it. Every time you know, because I lived with it for so many years, you know, sometimes I would lose awareness and uh, end up in that place again. But then I will say, okay, so I'm in here. 
I know where I am. I know what's happening. Let me step out of it. And uh, throughout the program, throughout the first year of MSc, which actually took me two years, I was able to realize that through changing your thinking, you can actually change your experience in life. That was one of the major breakthroughs. I had several uh, throughout the program. This was one of the major ones when through changing my thought patterns, I was able to change my mood or my state, my physical state. That was a huge breakthrough. Same story with the misery box. As soon as you realize it's there, as soon as you step out of it, you have control over it. Before you know it even exists, you have no control over it. As soon as you step out and you're aware of it, there is a control. You can either give it power or you can take it back. That was the process for me. I'm still uh, falling back. I'm still finding myself in that misery box from time to time, but I'm not running like a chicken in it anymore. Before that, I would be panicking or, and you know, asking what's, what's going on. Right now, I'm in there. I realize something is wrong. So for example, I'm, I'm sad for a prolonged period of time, like a day or two, right? which is not normal for me lately. So I'm like, okay, what's going on? Are things all right? Yes. Am I safe? Yes. Again, this is part of the what Kelly taught me. Am I safe? Yes. There is a roof over my head. There is food in the fridge. Everything is fine. Yes. What am I concerned about? And then I'm looking, okay, am I back in the misery box? And uh, most of the time, I am. So at that, at that point of time, just stand up and step out of it. And uh, believe it or not, things, things shift into more positive perspective. Yeah, so that, that was beautifully put, Stas. Um, Thank you. The, the one thing I, I want to add to the puzzle is uh, your misery box and each person's is a little different because it's made up of our stories, right? It's made up of the things that we tell ourselves to make ourselves miserable. And it's not just the the container that we created for ourselves that was like, okay, this is, this is what we're going to hold ourselves in. And it's miserable, but at least we know it, right? It's the devil you know. But it's also comfortable, even in its misery. There is this sad comfort you know, yeah, I know you, you suck and you're bad to me, but, but I know you and I love you because you're, you know, I, you've been with me for so long. It's the ultimate internal version of an abusive relationship is really what it comes down to. Right. And it's, it's us beating ourselves up. And when you're beating yourself up, you're in the misery box and you are standing firmly in your victim and you are seeing the world as being out to get you and seeing yourself as crap and seeing that there's no place else to, to, to be. There's, you know, there's no way out because when you're in the misery box and if you don't know you're in it, there doesn't seem to be a doorway. But the moment you know there's a doorway, go figure there's the handle in the wall. But you have to know there's a doorway to find your way out. Exactly. As I said, once I re-listened to this conversation where this term came up, I re-listened to it. I had all these realizations, this aha moment. And in that same moment, what came to me is the knowledge that this box or these thought patterns, they kept me safe all this time. So it's not just all bad. There was something good to it. Uh, specifically, it kept me safe for myself and for my family. There are two phrases that came to me at that exact moment, and I wrote them down. One, it's time to let it go, meaning that, yes, I've been doing this for so many years, but now it's time. In order for me to grow, I need to let it go. And the second one 
was thank you for keeping me safe. Uh, this is a healthy, for me, this was a healthy communication that I established with it in order to honor what it did for me. And also in order for me to move on and proceed like leaving my parents' nest, it's the same thing. In order to move on, I need to close this door for me to open the new one. That, that's exactly what happened. That's brilliant, too, because what you've just described is the ultimate uh, statement of integration. Because what happens when you're not ready to make a change, but you just want to be done with the pain is that you'll, you know, go running out of the misery box and say, fuck you, I hate you, 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 you suck. And I never want to see you again. And you try to break up with your misery box and that will not work. You know, you have to acknowledge that it had a purpose. You had to have to acknowledge that you created it. You have to acknowledge that you have loved it and that it has been a significant impact in your life. And you have to acknowledge that and allow it to be true and be like, yep, I have loved you. You have been my comfort zone for a very long time. And, and that has kept me safe from the things that I didn't know what they were coming at me. I could just retreat into this comfort zone. And even though it was miserable, it was not nearly as scary as the outside world. And you have to acknowledge that in order to really, truly re start to release it. Because otherwise, it will just follow you. We, we've talked about the releasing fires in the past where people throw things into the fire that they want to release and it just comes flying back out and un attaches onto their back. If you don't do the acknowledgement piece that Stas has so beautifully modeled there, then you will have your misery box come flying back up to your back. Now, you know, when you acknowledge it the way that he has, you may still go back and visit because it's an old friend, right? Yep. It's an old friend. And until you get done entirely with the relationship with your old friend, you will go back and visit. But as you said, you'll notice and be able to say, okay, hey, old friend, nice to see you. Get spending time with you. Got to go now. One thing that Kelly mentioned a lot to me and uh, that took me a long, long time to integrate is that when I'm dependent on something, when something can affect my mood or physical state, that means that I gave my power away to that person or that thing. And it was, you know, after a year and a half of living and trying to recall that this is the case and living with it, that's what helped me to actually step out of that misery box and have this conversation with it. I realized that what I was giving away is my power. I was giving my power away to the structure. Again, some thought pattern. Right. I was giving my power away to the thought pattern in my own head in order for me to have control over it or have a healthy relationship with it. I had to take my power back, basically saying, you know, I gave you my power. I have my power to take it back as well. So that's what I did. I took my power back. And only then I was able to have a healthy conversation with that structure, basically the thought pattern, nothing more. And uh, only after that, I was able to step out of it. And uh, the second thing I, I would like to talk, mention at least, is that it is comfortable to go back there. It's like your old home. Uh, it may be old. It may be falling apart. It may be dirty. You know, the bed may be old. The mattress is all rotten. But you're kind of used to it. You've been living. I've been living in it for many years. Mm. Twenty-five years. I've been living in that small space. 
I, when I was losing control of things, I would definitely go back to that small place, small confined environment of that misery box where I could stay safe. It wasn't comfortable. I was in misery, but at least I was safe. So that was an escape for me to go back there. And, uh, you know, as uncomfortable as it was, you know, just dealing with the outside stuff was so unbearable that I had to stay in that box. You know, once, once the perspective shifted and I started to take care of things in a more productive and healthy manner, uh, the outside environment, the people, the communications, the relationships, I was, I was able to step out of that box and be okay with it. I didn't need to run back to that old friend that was somewhat comfortable but miserable. It sounds like the misery box, and I, you've said it to us a couple of times here really well, I think, is that it's this comfort zone. It's also this place that sort of keeps us down. We've talked about this in different ways, Kelly, over the course of this show, in different ways that whether it's our ego or whatever it is, tries to keep us constrained into this space because it's keeping us safe. It's, it's right. protecting us from, in some cases, ourselves and our right. own desires or choices or whatever it is. Stas, you talked about your personal journey going through that, but there's a lot of work that a person has to do to be able to get out of that misery box without it jumping back up at their back, like the releasing fire and stuff like that. This isn't something that, that somebody can just say, oh, I'm in a misery box. That's all it is. And just sort of go on and be done with it. It wouldn't hurt to try. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just saying. So so here's the thing, Joey, is that there are two paths to transformation. Mm -hmm. There is the inner path and the outer path. Sometimes change is forced upon us from the outside world, and sometimes change is chosen from the inside. And sometimes we choose to change the outside world to help reflect the inside. The path that that we took, that Stas and I took together, was to do a lot of this other work in the Mastering Spiritual Evolution program to get him to the point of being able to step out of the misery box. But that's not to say that you can't just try stepping out of the misery box and just you'll do it in stages, right? It's it's like an agoraphobe coming out of the apartment for the first time and it's literally like that and so you'll at first you'll open the door and you'll peek out and you'll close the door <laughs> and then you'll open the door and you'll peek out and you'll stick your head out and then you'll close the door right and and that's okay you're going to keep going in and out and in and out and in and out but eventually you'll be able to stay out of the box longer and longer and longer but the idea is that the misery box is so let me define it am i miserable let's just start with that. Am I miserable? If I'm miserable, I'm in the misery box. Whatever stories I'm telling myself are making me miserable, right? So there's a lot of things in life that we can't know what the true story is. Somebody cuts you off in traffic, you have no idea what the actual story is there. They could be rushing to the hospital to, to go be with their child who's just been in a horrible accident, right? Or they could be an asshole, you know, who doesn't care about anybody else and, and just, you know, isn't paying attention or whatever, or they are purposely cutting you off or what, you know, worst case scenario, right? You don't know which, which thing is true, but the question is which one makes you happier to believe, right? If you can't know which one is true, pick the one that makes you happier to believe. That's really the foundation of the misery box. Uh, leaving the misery box is choosing to leave behind the beliefs that make you miserable. Right now, you know, some things are easier to leave behind than others. Is it going to be the only thing you ever do to do your work? No. 
it will not be the only thing you ever do to, to get fully out of the box. But simply being aware that the box is there and that you are fueling it with your belief and your investment and your love and your, your nurturance. And, you know, there, there is, we all know somebody who lives in their misery box and loves their misery box and nurtures their and pets their misery box and dresses it up and shows it to everybody and says, look at my misery box. Look how miserable I am. Aren't I really the most miserable person you've ever met? And don't you feel bad for me? Yep. That's somebody who has given all of their power to their misery box. Okay. <laughs> it's likely not anybody on the, who's listening to the podcast um, just because the people who are in that state are not in a state where they want to grow. They are looking for love through their misery. And so that's their coping mechanism, right? Feel bad for me, for me, right? And let me ask you something there with regards to this episode. We're talking about the victim and the misery box. Yes. And in what you just said, it sounds to me that those two, that's where they really connect. Yes. So the victim is the state that you are in when you have handed your power away to the thing that makes you feel bad. Okay. The act of pretending that you do not have power over your situation. And so when someone has handed all their power to their misery box, they're not going to be in a position to do any change. The more power you hand away, the more you dig into your victim self, the less power you have to change anything. Mm -hmm. The more in love you become with how miserable you are, the less power you have to change anything. So the first step is to fall out of love with your misery box, to look at how it is being abusive. And even if it's not about being in love, but as Stas says, it's about being comfortable because that's all you know. Comfortable is one thing, but this there's love there. Okay. There is love there. Um, you know, you have to keep in mind, we grew up in environments where um, emotional abuse was the form of love that we received. And so it's all tangled up. Love and abuse are tangled up in our in our minds. Right. And so um, we love our misery. We, we, we are in a, a we are in a love affair with our misery. Right. And, you know, we shower it with attention. We bring it gifts of our misery. We bring it, you know, gifts of our sacrifice for it. Oh, no, I'll do without the thing that I really need. No, I don't really need underwear. All of mine has holes in it, but it's okay. You know, I, I, I don't need anything. Right. I'm going to just be miserable. That was a random jump. The holy underwear? <laughs> I don't know. All I can tell you is every time I was poor, the last thing I bought was underwear. Okay. <laughs> because nobody would see it, right? All right. Nobody yeah. needed to know, right? So, well, now we know. Now you know, right? Yeah. But, you know, I mean, everybody's got their thing. Right. I don't need this, the, whatever the basic need is. You know, underwear is yeah. kind of a basic yeah, it is need very unless basic you're a commando need. person. Yep. But, you know. But it's that we, we make those sacrifices to our misery box. We are really in a love affair with the misery box until we decide to break up with it. The key that you have to recognize is when you, you are engaging in the romance, the misery dance romance of the comfort zone. Because, it, it, yeah, it's your comfort zone, but it's also you're investing in it. Right. You know, it's not just I'm comfortable here, so I'm staying here. It's not inertia. You're investing in it. It's an active process. 
every time you beat yourself up, every time you find fault, every time you think you're not good enough, every time you don't do something you want, every time you don't give yourself the right to want anything, every time you give way to somebody else and pretend that you don't have a right to even exist in this space, you're investing in your misery box. Mm -hmm. That's what we're talking about. And you're also handing more and more power over to it and having less and less power yourself. So you feel more victimized and the more righteous you are in your indignation, the more victimized you feel. Okay. As, as a person, I'm referring to myself as a person who was milking this concept for a long, long time. Uh, I got to tell you that I'm noticing the people who are in that misery box more. And it seems to be a lot of people who are in that misery box without even noticing that they are in it. Yeah. I was in it completely blind that I was in it. And uh, the gains are enormous. Uh, it's much easier to be um, sad because you immediately can attract what you think is love, attention, etc., etc. And uh, I've been uh, tracing this back to my childhood. And uh, I noticed that uh, all of my idols, that the people that I idolized were in that same misery box. All the bands I was listening to, like Nirvana, and Depeche Mode, all of the slit singers are in that misery box, at least they were, until they either get out one or the other way, right? Right. So it's much easier to be said. And uh, the fact that a lot of people can relate to it, there are a huge following out after those bands, right? That means that people can relate to that particular aspect. Just realizing that you can step out of it, stop feeding that misery box, as Kelly puts it, right? You stop feeding it. And the gains would be much more, much greater than when you live in it, because you're finally free. You're finally free from sadness. You don't need to be sad anymore. All those, what you think, when you think you're getting love out of that, it's not really love. Uh, I mean, it's, it's something sick and sad. When you step out of that box, you can finally feel what love is. You can finally have some respect for yourself. I'm asking myself, every time I feel sad, I'm asking, am I treating myself well or am I abusing myself? And every time uh, the answer to am I abusing myself is yes, I know that I'm stepping back into that misery box immediately. I notice that. And with that awareness, I step out of it. I, I don't want to go back. I mean, I, I, I've been on both sides and I have to tell you that being outside of that box is much, much better. With that in mind, is it important for us to start to realize when we're in that misery box, is that become a key part of this sort of growth? Yeah. Awareness is the first state. It's the first step to any change. So if you can just become aware that you're in the misery box, that will crystallize your discontent about it. Okay. And, and, you know, once you've done that, then you will have the motivation to change. So and, even just noticing. And two more things that help me. So first thing is awareness. Once you know about it, Two more things that helped me tremendously. First, I realized that it's just a thought construct, nothing more. It's not a physical box. It's not, and you know, nothing that holds you in it. You created it. I created it myself. It's a, it's strictly the thought construct. And the second one, you gotta believe or know, experientially, that through changing your thinking, you can change the outcome. You can change your world. So by having those two things on the plate and having awareness that you are in it, 
you can step out of it easily. The ultimate act of, of misery boxness is to feel trapped by your misery box, right? That's the ultimate illusion is to say, oh, I'm trapped in my misery box. It's like, no, you created it. It's a piece of paper around you. Just, you know, poke your finger through it. You'll be fine, you know? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly that. Well, this has been quite a journey. And Stas, thank you very much for sharing your personal journey on this because this is this is pretty powerful and i know that a lot of us have either been in the box and started to poke our holes through it to come out and and understanding that we're not alone in that i think is a huge part of it as well as that recognition of when we fall back into it because i think that that's very common in a lot of cases for us to sort of slip back into that misery box and let it comfort us in that uh in the way that was somewhat unhealthy and i just want to I want to ask this question of Stas because I, I've been getting feedback from people recently that, you know, they're freaking out going, oh, I don't want to re-traumatize myself to do this work. So Stas, you've just graduated. Do you feel like you had to re-traumatize yourself at any point to do the work? No, it was never re-traumatization. Actually, just realizing that there was a trauma helps me, you know, step out and no longer feed off of that, right? I never re-traumatized. There were some hard times to go through some stuff, but it was not traumatizing myself. And uh, the rewards are tremendous. So no matter you know how uneasy sometimes the process was to get through it, it was never worse than the trauma or the stuff that I've been in before that. That's what I just said to somebody earlier today. I was like, look, you're in a lot of pain right now. And you live with it every day. And the fear that you have that this is going to be more painful is really unfounded because, you know, you're already holding so much pain that anything that we do together is going to make something better. And because you're holding so much pain and you're picking up one piece here and one piece there and one piece there and putting it down in between, you know that you've got all of this pain, but you're never holding it all at once. And so when you do this work, you're going to pick up one piece and do the work on it and not pick up everything else that you're holding. And when you're done with it, you'll put that piece down and then it's gone or, or it's at half power from where it was before. And if you do that with eight or 10 pieces, then everything's at half power and now you feel awesome. And then you can start doing the next stage of work with it. You know, we think it's going to be like this huge crashing down on our head of everything all at once. And that doesn't work to do it that way. And, you know, so we don't, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, oh, look, that doesn't work. Let's not do that. <laughs> Agreed completely. Right. Well, this has been really inspiring. Thank you. Thank you for sharing Stas, And thank you, Kelly, for taking us through that. Is there anything you want to sort of say to wrap up here for folks to take with them as they go into the mystery bus? Because oh, Stas, you have something. Uh, one thing I want to tell is that you can do it you can step out of it. Just um, the hopelessness and uh, was uh, one of the biggest challenges for me to overcome. Uh, the fact that I was in it for so long, I started thinking that there is no way out. Yeah. I want to tell you that there is a way out. So be optimistic, stay hopeful, do the work, and you'll be able to get out of it. And it gets paralyzing too trying to get out of it when that hopelessness takes over. And that's where that one piece at a time that you were talking about, Kelly, I think becomes hugely important. Don't try to, you know, boil the ocean, as they say, um, take a little bit at a time and that's going to start to make that difference. Yeah. And, and 
you know, the story of Pandora's box is the story of personal growth, really. Because all the, you know, Pandora opened the box and all the evils went out into the world. And at the bottom of the box, there was hope left, right? So hope is the key to putting all the evils back in the box, right? To dealing with all the evils. So don't give up your hope because that's like the beginning of the end. Get busy living or get busy dying, right? <laughs> to quote Andy Dufresne. <laughs> or no, Red. I think that was Red. <laughs> we love the Shawshank Redemption. And people can certainly share their thoughts or stories um, that they've gone through with regards to the Misery Box in the Facebook group. That might be a nice yes. way for people to reach out and leverage community as a way to help them walk through that process. Yep. Spirit Sherpa Podcast After Party on Facebook. Thanks for having me. It was fun. This is awesome. All right, folks, that is all that we have for this week. But be sure to join us next time as Kelly adds another chapter into your guide to energy, magic, and the spirit world. I'm Joey C. here with Kelly Sparta and Stas, and you have been listening to Spirit Sherpa. So long, everyone. Bye. Bye. Each mile I travel over 13,000 now, so I leave behind a Spirit Sherpa is the sole property of Kelly Sparta Enterprises and is distributed under Creative Commons BY-NC-ND 4.0 license. For more information about this licensing, please go to creativecommons.org. Any requests for deviations to this licensing should be sent to K-E-L-L-E at K-E-L-L-E-S-P-A-R-T-A dot com. That's Kelly at KellySparta.com. To sign up or to get more information on the programs, offerings, and services referenced in this episode, please go to KellySparta.com. This episode of Spirit Sherpa has been produced by Honu Voice Productions. And my love and my life and me. Are you waking up to the spiritual world and realizing that you have no idea what you're doing, but you feel like you kind of probably should, especially since you seem to be seeing things and feeling things and having things see you that maybe aren't so great and that you might want to actually control your experience of that. Well, I have great news for you because our Welcome to the Woo program does just that for you. It teaches you how to hold your energy field, manage your energy field, clear your energy field, protect your energy field, and learn how to protect your space. And you learn how to do basic divination and talk to your guides so that you feel like you actually have a clue and have a way to talk to the guides that will help you to figure everything else out. And it teaches you how to make sure that you feel mentally, emotionally, and energetically safe. That means that we also deal with things like fear and anxiety and worry and dread and self-doubt and inner and outer judgments. And we help you build a foundation of self-support and courage. All of these things together create a solid sense of safety in your own life. They will reduce your stress levels in half guaranteed. So visit the website at kellysparta.com and find out more about the Welcome to the Woo program. Your future awaits.